Hi and welcome to Blockchain Beat. My name is Ana Paula Picasso and this episode is for you that is a wine lover and also want to know how blockchain is improving the wine supply chain. To talk about that, I invited Oliver Oram, the founder of Chainvine, a digital platform that uses blockchain to manage wine supply chain data across different industries. We discussed how blockchain, in this case DLT, can help in many aspects of the wine supply chain, ranging from proof of provenance to sustainability, minimizing paper trails and collecting more accurate data to avoid product waste. And that's a good reason why I say that, because it, it's not the silver bullet. It won't end or fraud, but we're just going to catch them quicker. And the, the reason I say that is because the, the supply chain was completely and, and still is quite broken. No, none of the data points are really talking to one another in the supply chain. And that's why I thought like a shared distributed ledger between um, trusted people within the supply chain would be much better for several reasons. And the first reason was fraud. We also talked about intelligent wines and what they mean and how the commercial sector is embracing digital adoption, especially blockchain. And more importantly, why compliance isn't just for expensive wines, but for all of them. And if you want to reach out to Oliver, I'll put all the links in the description. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to follow Blockchain Beat in your favorite podcast platform. This episode is brought to you by Blockchain PR. If you want to know more how Blockchain PR can help your business grow, just go to www.blockchainpr.online. So, hi, Oliver. Hi, Anna. How are you today? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, well, you, you're in Stockholm, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in Stockholm today. I'm actually going back to London tomorrow because of the new rules. So um be leaving early tomorrow morning for London for more meetings. More meetings. And it's all related to Chainvine. Yeah, it's all related to Chainvine and blockchain and wine. Yeah, yeah. So I'm here with Oliver Oram. He is the founder of Chainvine. He's a digital platform that manages supply chain data across different industries with blockchain. Do you prefer blockchain? Do you prefer DLT? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not too, I'm not too worried. I mean, there is, I suppose many people would say there's a big difference between the two, i.e. blockchain being open and distributed ledgers being either open yeah. or open. So yeah. I suppose if you want to be a purist, we're using distributed ledger. We have used blockchain as well. Um, I won't go into too much detail there. Yeah, let's just just call it blockchain for the sake of the episode, which is really nice. And the reason I wanted to invite you, I met you a couple of years ago on Stockholm FinTech Week. You gave a really nice lecture about supply chain. It's why blockchain is benefiting the supply chain with commodities, in your case, wine. So um, I'll start with like the first use case and the first benefit we saw at Chainvine. And and I don't know, I was actually on a flight from um, Gothenburg, which has got a nickname Little London because it used to have its own East India company as well. And I was on my way to London and I was reading a story about a guy called Rudy Canaravan, who was probably the greatest wine fraudster the world has ever known. 
They say that Rudy possibly made between 30 to $50 million over 10 years selling fake fine wine. Some people think it could be up to $100 million. Now, the reason Rudy was uh, able to get away with that was, one, he was really good at um, forgery. Uh, and that's the paperwork, right? So the labeling that goes on wine and everything around it. He also had a really good palate, so he could trick people even to thinking that, you know, this this wine is nice and it tastes good, right? Um, and this is was recently, wasn't it? Which yeah, two I mean, years ago. He's he's just got out of prison. I mean, he got sentenced to ten years because the judge actually said they'd never seen fraud on such a scale in in <laughs> wine business, right? So I'm reading this article on on my way to London, and um, I have a, a an interest in in blockchain and in in particular in Bitcoin back then. And I'm thinking about the underlying technology and the idea of double spend in the whole crypto space. And I'm thinking, why can't you apply that to wine? And there's a good reason why I say that, because it, it's not the silver bullet. It won't end or fraud, but we're just going to catch them quicker. And the, the reason I say that is because the, the supply chain was completely and, and still is quite broken. No, none of the data points are really talking to one another in the supply chain. And that's why I thought like a shared distributed ledger between um, trusted people within the supply chain would be much better for several reasons. And the first reason was fraud. So we just looked at giving a unique identity to the wine in the first place, which was a kind of... Uh, very much a very in, in the blockchain's best, right? Identity, identity. And, and and the reason why Rudy actually got caught, and that's the interesting thing, I, just to finish off on that story, Rudy got caught because of um, there was an auction in New York and um, a guy turned up at the auction and they were selling Ponset wine. For, I can't remember what years, but let's say 63, 74. But Charles Ponset stood up and said, it can't be possible that you sell those wines because I didn't start making wine to 1980. So that's an example of how broken supply oh, wow. chain was. They couldn't yeah. even check or contact Charles Ponce to rarify these bottles, right? He flew all the way to New York to an auction. And that's just, that's quite insane. So, I mean, that's an extreme example of bad supply chain. But that's the first uh, use case we went into. Um, after about a couple of years, we designed a minimal viable product, which we called Intelligent Wine, which we wow. began to add Internet of Things to. So basically, we were using uh, blockchain and Internet of Things. And, and this is qu quite an interesting story where we began to pick up on other great benefits of, of using DLT and, and the audit trail. Um, so we added some IoT, and in this case, we were using hardware IoT. So I took a trip from London to Brussels, and this might have been actually where you saw me, Anna. It was London to Brussels, and I was at Money 2020 talking about blockchain and commodities and how we can track mm -hmm. commodities from countries uh, and with different people in geolocation. And then I went to Hamburg, Copenhagen. Then I came up to Sweden Food Tech. And then I was at stage at Sweden Food Tech, and I was going, hi, here's a bottle of intelligent wine. And basically the wine is telling you its health, wealth, and happiness and how we've like secured all of that data with blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. So we've, we've basically changed the whole paper system and given almost like 90% more visibility than there had been before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that's pretty big. Yeah, and when you say intelligent wine, what you, what are the cr criteria for you to call it an intelligent wine? Well, that, that's funny actually because of the the place I went to Amsterdam was Money Twenty Twenty, and I was talking to bankers, and they're like, "Great, so if we drink this wine, we're going to be more intelligent." I was like, "No, <laughs> exactly. that's not work like that." Yeah, but um, no, what it does is it's gathering intelligence, right? So right, we're using, yeah. we're using blockchain distributed ledger to audit 
every bit, a bit of intelligence is added to that bottle. Now, that intelligence could be the humidity of the bottle, the temperature in which it's being stored, um, the geolocation of where it is, and even who it's been traded between, right? So we were able to trade through like a mobile app between the two different traders, if you like, and I pretended to be two different traders for this experiment. So essentially, we're recording its health, wealth, and happiness, um, i.e. how it's feeling, how much it's worth, and who it's with. And 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 that was really important because of you you had this one ledger, if you like, that we were using across multiple parties. So the, the ability to audit right back really quickly was key, right? Because if that's where you get fraud, where it takes a long time to check something. So people will generally be like, well, I'm pretty certain that's that's what I'm buying. So yeah, I'll buy that. And okay. and I can go back a certain way. But fraudsters rely on you not being able to check things clearly, not being able to do quick audits. So in that case, it was brilliant. And then um, I, I showed it at Sweden Food Tech and everyone was pretty happy. Um, and they like, just loved the idea because it showed in a very simple but elegant way how you could use distributed ledger blockchain with a good and mesh that with IoT and basically begin to show the features and benefits of using a shared technology, if you like. And the reason I say shared is because many people are sharing that same ledger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know you mentioned like proof of provenance. Uh, also, you mentioned geolocation, which is very interesting. So it brings me to my next question about sustainability. How does potentially DLT on blockchain would help with the sustainability aspect of wine producing and wine trading? There's two things we found out um, since that first, you know, grand experiment traveling across Europe with the wine and the devices. And that was because if we entered into a new collaboration as a result of that experiment, and that collaboration was with um, HMRC in the UK, so Her Majesty's Revenue Collector, basically wow. a scatterverket, if you like, in Sweden, or and Food Standards Agency. Now, they asked me to come in and explain blockchain to them, you know, and you know what it's like. You go into a government and you say, oh, mm-hmm. can you tell us what blockchain is? And then let's say you've got a really big technology company there, who's also explaining blockchain and they're just saying we can blockchain everything, everything will be better, everything will be great. Mm. And you get skepticism, right? So what I did, Anna, was I basically picked up a bottle off the table and I said, let me tell you about intelligent wine. And then I told them exactly the story I told you. And then they were like, well, hold on a second. If you have all of this data and you're moving the wine across borders, well, then we could um, tap into your client's data and we wouldn't need any paperwork anymore. Right, we wouldn't need any declaration forms. We wouldn't need uh, uh, bills of laden and and things like this. All of this massive amounts of paperwork that are generated every year um, in Europe and the UK alone, and you're you're talking about fifteen billion pounds worth of paperwork, right? Wow, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot of trees and it's a lot of forests <laughs> and it's a lot of glue. Yeah. So, if you think about taking paper out and then not just paper, but taking paper and data duplication out of a system, because a lot of this is duplicate paperwork, right? It, it, because somebody's like, I need a piece of paper, you need a piece of paper, I need a piece of paper. And that's just insane, uh, in my opinion. It's just absolutely insane. What we saw was uh, during the, the two and a half years we've been working with the UK government on this, is that we can reduce those costs right around about 50 to 60%. So that also mo- means reducing the amount of paperwork. So you've got two sustainability issues there. You've got economic sustainability for the SME vineyards because a lot of them are SMEs. Environmental sustainability in the sense that we're not churning up all of this paperwork. We're not churning up all of this glue on the paperwork. 
and all of the recycling, because all of this takes chemicals as well, not just paper and trees. So it's a massive cycle we're disrupting there in the sense of it's needless waste. And and some people will say like, oh, but you need paperwork. You need paperwork. And this mm-hmm. is one of the biggest barriers we had a government. You need paperwork to sue people. My answer is always like, well, how would you sue Mark Zuckerberg, right? Because if I don't get any data, uh, paper from Facebook, right? But if there's it's a data true. breach, it's true. Yeah. you sue him for a data breach, right? Okay, yeah. there might be some paperwork still involved in the court case, but generally the evidence is the data. And where mm-hmm. did the data go? Who's using the data? Right. So we already have a principle there for getting rid of all of the paper. And, and, and as you know, like in Sweden, you know, we digitized my favorite thing called cash, right? I love cash. But yes, that's right. That's right. You know, it's like the pandemic, Anna, really. So one of the problems we've been trying to help solve as well is the problem of the wet signature, right? Because of mm-hmm. a lot of people during the pandemic didn't want to accept paperwork from one another, right? Because they're like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get infected or um, blah, blah, blah. I'm not coming into the physical office because I don't want to get, I don't want to get ill. And you, you can't blame them if a lot of people are working from home. But of course, this caused major problems in the sense that if you've got a border guard or someone there and a consignment's coming in and they're like, we need a wet signature for this. So immediately during COVID, we've already seen other features and benefits of using distributed ledger and having that perfect audit trail. And that's the ability of dropping those electronic signatures along the um, logistic supply chain. And in lieu of having that wet signature, you have like an identity. And basically that is all on the blockchain, if you like, and it's captured and it's extremely hard to remove um, or in some cases completely immutable, as you know. Yeah. Now, yeah. And, and the great thing about if you have everyone in a consortium collabor- collaboration type atmosphere, what we created is a, a traffic light signal, right? So if we found there was a wrong transaction somewhere, we would say nothing moves until the new transaction is made and the person who's got the wrong information or put the wrong information puts their hand up. But that's much better than today, right? Because today I had a case where some wine got all the way to the UK and somebody had just put the name wrong on one document for where the wine was going to a bonded warehouse, right? Where these oh goods God. are kept yeah. in store. So this is this is the craziness of the paper system. The importer called, finally got hold of customs after three days said, what do I do? My wine is stuck on the ports. Oh, you have to call your producer. The producer then sends a piece of paper to me um or along the supply chain and it'll get to me in a couple of weeks then it'll get to my pile and then you'll get your wine and they said well how long would that take oh there's a lot of paper probably a couple of months if you had like a trusted trader kind of system within a just blockchain type system what you're what we're saying is that actually importer would notify hold on you put the wrong warehouse there can you please change the warehouse at your end and put your signature on that mm-hmm. and then that wine could have been out the port in a day now to put that also into an e- sort of economic and environmental sustainability if the wine is left on a port too long there's a good chance it can be fried or chilled too much right so then you've got to throw that good away and that's not just wine that could be any fresh produce good because the name is wrong on a piece of paper and also uh, oliver about claims i know that's we're talking mostly about wine but i think that would extend to food in general for instance if i'm buying a wine that's organic or uh, a type of um, vegetable that's organic that, that has the organic claim on the package is there is no much way to verify this without DRT. No, I don't think so. I mean, you just gotta 
there's probably a lot of paperwork, but you're not going to get a hold of that paperwork as a consumer. On on that, we have like module one, which which allows access to the goods. So we stick a QR code um, or an mm-hmm. IoT device on the good. You, were, you wouldn't stick it on the bag of coffee, obviously, but the QR code is quite interesting because you can use geolocation there as well, right? Because if you're numbering your batches and, and you know where they're going and then consumer or a goods person here is scanning, then you know the geolocation where they are and, and that they should be there. And I think also for the consumer, if they really want to check, they can go all the way back and maybe go right into the the uh, producer's website. And the producers more and more are sharing information on how green they are and how um, they meet certain categories for the consumer. As the consumers become more aware, and maybe we go through a phase of this where um, they've checked more the information on, on the food and goods they're buying, then it's mm-hmm. perfectly responsible or capable for the producer to communicate directly with um with the consumer now we've been asked to look at a case actually in the uk and, and this goes back to sustainability again and mm-hmm. and the client has said well look if you're controlling the wine bottle you can help me from the producer literally to the supermarket and on and on, on the module one app that we have intelligent wine we have a, a button that says you can say the wine's been drunk and the wine no longer exists that's usually for your own itinerary and stuff. But what we've seen is actually we could actually put that as a bottle back scheme as well. So uh, as you buy the wine, you can connect it to your uh, recycling. Right. Okay. So you just drunk yes. the wine and recycled the wine. And and, and that's that would work pretty cool here in Sweden, I think, because... Yeah. Um, We're very serious about recycling here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I got some burgers the other week and you know they had qr codes on the packaging and i was like oh this is great and they could actually you know connect that in with with um with bottles of wine or any good if they like if they want recycling on the packaging done properly and of course you know maybe you'll get some people who try and cheat the system but i think mainly the the benefits were outweigh the negative on that side in my opinion yeah yeah no, that's great. There is so much talk about sustainability. We could be here until tomorrow. Uh, but now, Oliver, I want to ask you about the WSTA Summit, the Wine and Spirits Trade Association Summit. Oh. It's just been in London recently, so while it's fresh. So I want you to talk about your takeaways of the summit. How was it like? Is this something yeah. you want to share? Well, actually, um, there, there have been two summits that I've been at in last okay. week. And this will really begin to show you how um, the commercial world is is looking at um, digital adoption and in particular blockchain. So the Wine Spirits Trade Association has been uh, a collaborative partner of the work we've been doing with HMRC, Food Standards Agency in, in the UK and the shipments between Australia and now America. Now, What's really interesting now is that the WSTA is an industry body that specifically looking for points to help its clients on. They don't advocate any technology or any one company. Right, right. But what they do is try to educate their membership on, on what is out there and what actually works. And the WSTA has helped us in this collaboration with HMRC because we wanted to make it a very equal collaboration. So you would have government private industry represented by industry body, private industry as well, like producers. We even have a University of Surrey in there and a, a chap named Mike Brookbanks who's been who's basically the ringmaster to keep everyone in, in order. 
the WSTA summit was interesting because of what we're seeing is a lot more digitization come out, come out. Comte de Vin, uh, Sieve in Europe, which represents around about seven, I think it could be pretty much all the vineyards, um, in, in Europe, um, is, is advocating use of e-labeling on bottles, right? Wow. So e- e-labeling is basically because new legislation and laws will come in where there's going to be ne- more need for origins and certificate data on bottles or any packaging. But people spend a lot of money on their marketing, right? And they don't want to put more paper over everything. Otherwise, what's the point in having a brand if yeah, you just got right. a list of ingredients and that's that's all you see? So we believe like on the 6th of December, what came out of that and some interesting details is that we look. it looks like the EU will pass a law where it says, you know, we need more information on all perishable goods and wine and things like this. Um, but at the same time, they recognize that e-labeling is also optional for the producers to use that. I mean, and after all, QR codes and COVID have become very common. So mm-hmm. there's no argument there really from, from government. So we, we've been using QR codes on our mobile phones through the pandemic. So why can't we adopt it for e-labeling? So the, I think that's good in many ways because of it accepts that we don't have to keep on putting more needful waste on paper on bottles, but also yeah, at the same yeah. time. And then it, just to clarify quickly, when you say like an e-label with a QR code, let's say I'm a consumer, I want to buy a bottle of wine, I just scan the QR code and gives me what kind of information does, does like it Like sugar up? levels, alcohol level, um, energy used um, okay. in, in the making. So there's a lot of um, more detail that's going to be going on to these bottles. But also for the producers, it gives them a great way to connect and understand better their um, consumer, right? Because if they barely see them, these these bottles are sold um, system or off-licenses or big supermarkets in the UK and often they don't have an eye on the data, where their data's gone or where they could send up and, and the sustainability of it. So all of this data and the by using blockchain actually having extremely accurate data along the supply chain in the future, they can make a lot of plans actually to mm-hmm. to target areas, certain areas better and wastage. There's a, a, a bunch of goodies that will come out of this. Um, and that was brought up again at the Organization of Wine and Vine Symposium, Digital Symposium last week where I was talking on blockchain again and the benefits and features for the wine industry. And and one of the questions I was asked was, you know, this technology just sounds like it's for expensive wine. And I said, no, because of actually we're managing compliance data. And that compliance data is relevant to a seven euro bottle as it is to a 700 euro bottle. And actually right, okay. the technology does not have to be expensive for the SMEs to adapt to. So on our platform, we've made it very accessible um, to the smallest SME, to the largest corporate, because you kind of want to be, let's say, a Netflix of grapes. Oh, wow, Netflix of grapes. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah. The SME, say, like the SME who's using the platform, maybe they only need it for a month, so they don't need to be spending spending money on a software license or subscription for a whole year when they only need Mm -hmm. it for maybe two to three months. And the idea is that, they only they only pay for what they use, uh-huh. and, and that's okay, not the like way to a subscription model. We might even begin to look at a utility model as the utility around the data they're using and consuming. Okay. So we can measure it even better, and of course, by using blockchain, actually, the utility model becomes easier because if we can measure that in a tokenized way, if we like, in the future, and that's where we begin to go into the token side of things. And I know we're. 
we don't have time for that today, but that's where I wanted to sort of... No, actually, I was going to ask you about the future. So, so could... let's, yeah. So how do you see things progressing in the next, let's say, five years? So I, 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 I've said this at WSTA, um, at the Trade Industry Summit, and I said it at the IOV Symposium. I see the adoption of technology accelerating in the next two years and in five years being fairly mainstream, to be honest. If you think about blockchain, it's like any code or software code. And it, indeed, it is software code. Um, but basically, you're looking like a seven-year, eight-year cycle adoption, in my opinion, for it to uh, penetrate in the mainstream. You've got that early cases of MVPs, pilots, user cases. And I think we're through that now. And this we're into the early stages of commercial adoption. Um, I think if you can show a tokenized system in a beneficial way, so like going back to the bottle back scheme, really, and plugging that into the identity of the wine and then using that further in your data and information um, services and saying, right, so you only produce 10,000 bottles and export them, so we're only going to charge you a utility of 10,000. It's like I've only used so much um, kilowatts of energy. This, okay. So you only, you only should be charged for them. And it's a model I'm, I'm looking at more and more closely. At the moment, we have a transaction subscription model, but I would like to move to that utility type one and make it a token-based system perhaps what's the biggest challenge in moving from the subscription model to the utility model education at the moment um helping the client understand but we're doing a couple of uh pilots and um experiments on that now just to measure the utility type and how viable that is and how the customers would understand that so they're pretty happy that and that will be in q1 of next year um and with the results in Q2. So it's moving faster than slower, I can say that. Yeah, that's good news. It's always good to know. So yeah, so there's the time to talk about your journey. You mentioned a little bit about how you got the idea to starting Vine. So do you have any success stories that you want to share? Any use cases? I think, um, thanks, Anna. Yeah, that's a really good question. So if you think about where the company started with, with just kind of an idea to use i was on a plane reading that story about rudy canaver and thought oh i can take out can take out fraudulent mine here mm-hmm. with blockchain that's going to be fun and uh, no money no uh no um no team or anything and uh just just a like vision. yeah and just i'm gonna do that and then and then two and a half years later you know we got a good mention in the financial times about taking out fraud with merchants in london which was a great thing and and then, and then COVID came, and and that, and we thought, oh, this is just you know kind of dampener. But during COVID, actually, we've had some of our biggest accomplishments. So right now, and we're working with the world's largest winery, which is Fetzer Wines, but also part of the Concho Toro family. And um, I, I had the opportunity to speak to wines of California and the United States, and I just said, um, I don't want you to pay for a pilot. I don't want any money from any of you. I just want you to trial the technology now as if it was ready for commercial use and to market, which it is. Um, and um, we'll be going live with that in January. And luckily, Fetzer Wine stood up, an extremely large winery. Um, they said, we've been watching what you've been doing in Australia with the other producers there. And um, I was very proud to actually be working with this extremely large corporate uh, winery, if you like, uh, mm-hmm. which is the pinnacle really of the sector if you you work with the biggest in the sector and you're working with the north americans to bring that shipment over to the uk and we're also working with the international firm law firm knl gates who are going to be looking at the smart contract process 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Using a lot of smart contracts in that supply chain. So the journey from going on a on a last minute, uh, really cheap um, airplane seat, uh, just to go to a um, conference to, to to look at somebody talking about technology, and then reading about this and sort of saying, right, I think I'm going to found a company, and um, we can use blockchain and wine. Yeah, we, we've come pretty far um, since then. So that, that's a brilliant journey, and it's it's a great to have these major brand names working with you when you, when you, all you had before was a vision. And obviously in between that, we've been funded by uh, private equity in the United Kingdom as well, mm-hmm. deep rich capital. So there's been a lot of milestones we've hit in between, but to come out of COVID working with um, the sector's largest player was uh, a bit of icing on a sort of mask. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a big achievement. And if anyone wants to know more about Chainvine, write to me. Write to you. Are you you are you on LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, or you can get me on um, Oliver at Chainvine.com, or um, you can you can directly send me a message on Twitter. I I pick up my. Yeah, I know you're very you're very active on Twitter as well. Yeah. So no, I'm always happy to share the knowledge, and even if it's you know I always take time to speak to everyone so if it's if it's anyone from a cio to um to a small winery to a student who's studying logistics and says i'm writing a paper on blockchain would you mind if i asked you a few questions i've done all of that and i still continue to do that because it's part of the education process so i'm always mm-hmm. happy to talk to everyone and anyone yeah that sounds great so thank you very much oliver and um good luck with chain vine yeah, and thank, thank you, Anna. Thanks for having me on. And maybe in Q2, we can um, look at the next phase. Yeah, then let's do a follow-up.